X Talks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. This week on the show, we're discussing the company Full Harvest, leading the charge against food waste. And the FAO Food Price Index rises for the first time in a year. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the X Talks Food Podcast. I'm Sydney Perlmutter, Senior Food Industry Journalist and Webinar Moderator at xtalks.com. And this week, I'm joined by Aisha Rashid and Vera Kovacevich. Thanks for coming today. So I'm going to start us off with a story about um, food waste and, you know, just how big of a problem it is, but some of the solutions that are being put forward. So in the U.S. and all around the world, but in the U.S. specifically, food waste is a very pervasive problem with an estimated 30 to 40 percent of the country's food supply going to waste every year. And this amounts to a around 133 billion pounds of food worth an estimated $161 billion being discarded annually. So to combat this, companies like Full Harvest and a couple others have emerged to sell surplus or imperfect produce that would otherwise be thrown away. And if you're wondering why you haven't heard of it before, that's because it's a B2B company. So it's a business-to-business marketplace. And it was founded in 2015. And it connects farmers uh, with food and beverage companies to sell their surplus or imperfect produce. The company's platform enables farmers to sell their entire harvest, including fruits and vegetables that would typically be rejected by traditional retailers due to imperfections in shape, size, or color. The company recently expanded its online marketplace to include all USDA grade one produce in addition to surplus produce. And this expansion will make the company's online produce market more efficient and expand its reach to various commercial buyers and sellers, including retailer and service companies. So by using full harvest, farmers can reduce their waste and increase their profits, while food and beverage companies can access high-quality produce at a much lower cost. Its platform operates using digitization with a user-friendly interface that streamlines the buying and selling process. So farmers can easily upload their available produce to the platform, which is then matched with buyers in need of that specific product. The process enables the company to offset food waste faster by ensuring that surplus produce is sold before it goes bad. Now, the founder and CEO of Full Harvest, Christine Mosley, said in a press release, Everything edible should be consumed. We're on a mission to eliminate food waste in the produce ecosystem and create a more sustainable produce industry. While imperfect and surplus produce was an important first step, the entire produce industry needs to move online to maximize efficiency and eliminate waste. Now, of course, Full Harvest isn't the only company that is using digitization to address the issue of food waste. There's another company that I had heard of before called Imperfect Foods, and it's a direct-to-consumer subscription that delivers quote-unquote ugly produce along with other surplus or imperfect food items to customers' homes. The company's website and app make it easy for customers to customize their weekly boxes and manage their, their conscription, their conscription, oh my God, their, <laughs> and manage their subscriptions. 
Misfits Market is another direct-to-consumer subscription service that delivers surplus and imperfect produce as well as other grocery items to customers' homes. And like imperfect foods, Misfit Markets uses digitization to streamline the ordering and delivery process, making it easy for customers to access and purchase high-quality produce that might otherwise go to waste. Now, food waste is a very complex issue with far-reaching environmental and economic consequences. In addition to the environmental impact of wasted resources and greenhouse gas emissions, food waste also has social implications contributing to food insecurity and hunger in many communities. And addressing this, this issue requires a multifaceted approach that includes both individual and systemic changes. So the companies that I mentioned, Full Harvest, Imperfect Foods, and Misfit Market, are doing their part to reduce food waste and promote sustainability through digitization. And by using this technology to connect farmers uh, with buyers, Full Harvest is creating a more efficient and sustainable food system that benefits everyone involved. And as the issue of food waste continues to gain attention, it's likely that we will see more companies using digitization to address this ongoing problem. And, you know, as I was writing this article, I was just thinking about like how useful digitization alone can be to sort of get the ball rolling on, um, you know, produce, which is something that obviously can spoil uh, relatively quickly. And I really appreciate that these companies are making use of technology, very simple technology, honestly, um, to make sure that their uh, food doesn't go to waste and that people who need the food you know, can get perfectly fine food, right? I appreciate what the CEO said that everything edible should be consumed. It's really true because um, we're often so hung up on on what food looks like and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I, I really appreciate like what, what these companies are doing. It kind of, to me, sounded like sort of a, a, a dating app for uh, <laughs> for farmers and buyers. They, they get matched, right? You know, a, a, a farmer will, will let the, uh, let the, uh, marketplace know what they're selling and buyers will, you know, say what they want. And it's a very simple process of of matching one another and they got, they get things going so much more quickly. So yeah, I, I just want to get your thoughts on this. And like, I, I think sometimes we like fear a bit of the digitization or like, you know, AI elements of, of any industry really, but I think this is an excellent use of it. So yeah. What do you guys think? I think it'd be great if they um, also released some stats from like, let's say um, this year, if like next year they release some stats like, oh, if we've saved X amount of tons of food waste um, from being discarded, you know, and just, I think that'd be great for them if they could say also like, oh, well, we, you know, saved this much water and stuff like that. So I think, I think they're probably going to do that in their annual report that's going to come out next year um, based on this year. But yeah, I've, I think it's really great. I've honestly can't even believe that something like that didn't exist already. Yeah, I agree. I was thinking the same thing. Like we've, this isn't like new technology by any means. It's sort of just harnessing it to, to use it for this purpose. Right. Um, and like, to me, maybe there are others, but full harvest seems like one of the only like B2B marketplaces that's doing this. And the other two that I mentioned are more for, you know, consumers, um, you know, to, to buy imperfect produce, whereas full harvest, like in, in the end, like a product may not be the produce itself. It might be turned into a juicer or in a smoothie or something else. Like we, we may not even know that like a company used full harvest to source their, their produce. Right. And I kind of like that. Like we don't, 
it's it's it it would have been like if it would have gone to waste otherwise it's i'm i'm glad that it's being used but i totally agree it, it would be great to see like how much produce they they really save um and i also like I feel like it's it's more, um, you know, the, the food waste problem as a whole, I think produce is like, you know, fruits and vegetables, that's a main like source of, of waste just because of how quickly they can go bad. Um, I, I'd need to like confirm the stats on that. But um, I think when it comes to like solving food waste problems, I think food waste, or sorry, I think uh, produce is always like what, what we're trying to solve here. Um, but yeah, Aisha, any, uh, any thoughts on this? Yeah, I think it's a, <clears throat> a pretty, a, a very cool service. And, um, I think uh, it makes a lot of sense, um, to again, like pair up consumers with producers and to, you know, it's, it's a great initiative, I think. And, um, but like, I agree with Vera, it'd be very interesting to see, um, what the impacts are in terms of, uh, like how much food can be reduced, how much food waste can be reduced through something like this. But I think because it's in its initial kind of uh, stages, although it was founded in 2015, uh, I think you mentioned, so mm-hmm. it's been around, but I think um, maybe it's just uh, picking up momentum now. So it will be very interesting to see what the impact of something like this um, is going to be like. So um, are there other, I, I'm not sure I might've missed it. Are there other uh uh, similar companies. Yeah. I think, uh, imperfect foods and misfits. Yes. I think you mentioned mm-hmm. them, so. where, where I think, where I think mm-hmm. full harvest is different is that it it's like business to business. Like we, we don't uh, see the final product, right. um, or we don't know that the final product, like it, that full harvest was involved, whereas misfit markets and mi- misfit market and, um, and imperfect foods, like that's, you know, it's on the part of the consumer if, if they want to participate. Right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So it, it's, I'm sure there are other like B2B, like, you know, marketplaces mm-hmm. like this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is, this is a prevalent one. I also wonder, um, you know, so, you know, this is B2B. And so would consumers want to know, like, maybe there are some consumers like of the end product that are like, mm. oh, well, you know, was this made of imperfect or like rotting fruits or vegetables? <laughs> and I don't want that. Or, you know what I mean? Like people have different preferences. So that, um, that's a good point. Like, yeah. I wonder if there's sort of like, oh, if, if that needs to be disclosed, disclosed to consumer, yeah. um, that, you know, it was used with, you know, it was sourced from maybe a different, uh, you know, farmer because of this reason and, and, or if they, if they would take, if they would appreciate it, appreciate it. Yeah. So there may be <laughs> yeah. You two, could, you could yeah. look at it from two yeah. perspectives. Absolutely. Like they, they may, say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it may be like a, a quality thing. And, um, and I think if you're, you know, if, if you don't want to purchase anything that was made with, uh, you know, imperfect produce, that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, it's the choice. For yeah. Sure it's, it's a choice for sure. Yeah. So that's a good point to, to, to mention like, yeah, would you and, have it on as a label on the product that this was sourced from something like this or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Just for like, you know, for sustainability purposes, mm-hmm. I think like if, if people are wanting to shop more sustainably, they oh, would yeah. appreciate that for sure. To them. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Especially if it's like, I think we've all, you know, let a 
a fruit or veggie rot in you know the fridge or freezer every now more and then than with, enough times yeah more than <laughs> enough times with the with the thought in our heads like oh I'll make banana bread out of it and oh, yeah. <laughs> you know we never do right so they're just doing that sort of on a more mass scale yeah um but yeah that's that's a really good point I I I feel like I feel like we don't we we wouldn't know if as mm, the consumer at this we point, wouldn't yeah mm-hmm. and i and it could probably take some time for more companies to use full harvest since so many companies already like like switching up a supply chain like that would would will will take time and mm-hmm. um you know if they're happy with the current source of their produce then they may not want to make the change but yeah i um i appreciate that that this option is out there for awesome. for companies who are you know willing to use it at the moment Now, speaking of food prices, um, according to the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization's Food Price Index, the World Price Index saw an increase in April after a year-long decline. Now, to us, that, I mean, or at least to me, that I was confused because it seems like food prices have been on the rise for for quite some time, Um, but I'll, I'll get to that shortly, but However, despite this rise, the index remains approximately 20% lower than the record high it reached in March 2022 following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So if you don't know, the FAO Food Price Index monitors the prices of the most traded food commodities worldwide and measures the average monthly change in international prices for a basket of food commodities, including meat, dairy products, cereals, oils, and sugar. And in April, the FAO Food Price Index recorded an average of 127.2 points compared to 126.5 points in March, so a, a, a small increase. But this index is essential as, as sorry, but this index is an essential barometer for food security and provides valuable insights into the economic and environmental factors that influence food uh, food prices. So in terms of why food prices fluctuate, there's so many reasons, and the FAO Food Price Index reflects the market supply and demand dynamics of food commodities, which, like I said, are influenced by a variety of factors. And one of the most significant factors is climate change. So climate change-induced weather events like droughts, floods, and hurricanes can disrupt food production and supply chains, leading to price volatility. So for example, um, the drought in the US in 2012, which reduced corn and soybean yields led to a spike in global food prices. The effects of climate change on food production can also be felt in other parts of the world, of course. In Southeast Asia, for example, changing weather patterns and rising sea levels threatened Thailand's and Vietnam's rice production, which is a staple food in the region. The resulting food shortages could lead to price increases and exacerbate poverty and hunger. And war is another external factor that can impact food prices. So conflict can disrupt food supply chains, leading to shortages and price spikes. And the ongoing civil war in Yemen, for example, caused widespread hunger and food insecurity as the conflict has disrupted food production and distribution. And Russia's invasion of Ukraine, of course, also interrupted grain exports. Trade policies and regulations can also influence food prices. Protectionist measures like tariffs and quotas can restrict food imports, leading to higher prices for domestically produced foods. But on the other hand, free free trade agreements can increase competition, leading to lower prices for consumers. And in addition to these external factors, changes in consumer demand can also impact food prices. 
For example, the growing demand for meat in developing countries has led to an increase in global meat prices, and this trend is driven by rising incomes and urbanization, which can lead to a change in dietary habits. So the FAO Food Price Index can provide very valuable insights into these complex dynamics. It allows policymakers, food producers, and consumers to track changes in food prices and plan accordingly. For example, if the index shows significant increase in cereal prices, governments can step in to increase domestic production, reduce waste, and improve distribution systems. And the FAO price index is also used to monitor global food security. The index provides an early warning system for food crises and helps to identify regions that may be at risk of food insecurity. And this information can be used to target food aid and other forms of assistance to those in need. So, of course, this index reflects a very complex interplay of economic, environmental, and social factors that impact food prices. Like I mentioned, climate change, war, and trade policies, which can all have a significant effect on food prices. And the Food Price Index provides very valuable insights into these dynamics. So by tracking these changes in food prices, policymakers, food producers, and consumers can take steps to ensure food security and stability in the global food market. So I just threw a lot of information at you, and I, I feel like we've talked about all of these sort of individual um, factors before on, on different podcasts and in different stories, um, but it's it's quite a complex thing that this... Um, you know, that this price index does by tracking all these commodities and, and you know, sort of explaining why they're happening, which, which I like, you know, we, we've talked about this just recently, but we like to know sort of the reasons behind like a food shortage or a price increase um, on, in certain commodities. And I feel like it's, it's not typically known by you know, the public, just the average shopper. Um, so yeah, I mean, do you think this, this price index, like, do you wish you kind of knew about it, or, or I don't know if you did know about it before, but do you think that if people like monitored it and sort of had those reasonings behind, um, you know, increases or shortages, um, that they'd be a little more at peace? I think so. I think, um, yeah, I think as consumers, you know, a lot of the times we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. And with something like this, I mean, if there were, I mean, it's not a matter of transparency. It's just a matter of, of being knowledgeable about these things. And I, I don't know who would be responsible for putting out this kind of information, but I think, you know, governments or, you know, economists or whoever it is, I think this information does need to be out there and um, be readily available, accessible to the public so that they do understand what's going on behind the economics of food. And, um, you know, we just see all of a sudden food prices are increasing and, you know, because of COVID, other factors. But yeah, climate change is such a huge factor, which we do hear about, which we do know about, but sometimes we often overlook or are not as well informed as we should be in terms of the impacts of it on things like economies, food prices, and, and you know, and so on and so forth. So I think um, a lot needs to be done. And this could probably start like, in the education system, right in school or, and things like that. But I think there needs to be more and even in the news, like I think you just hear about headlines, but there need to be a lot, there needs to be a lot more programming, I think, focused on like diving deep into the issues. And I think we, I think the public would definitely appreciate um, being um, educated on things like the, uh, the food price index and how, you know, 
that provides insights into what's going on in terms of the mm-hmm. dynamics of uh, food prices. Mm-hmm. You're right. Cause we hear about these things individually, like, you know, climate change, war yes. um, regulations, yeah. like we hear about them individually, but they, they, disrupt or affect so many other mm-hmm. things as well right and and i think we 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 don't hear about uh how they directly impact food production prices so um yeah and and i was also wanting to ask like are you surprised to hear that the food price index is on the rise for the first time in a year because like to to us in canada it feels like food prices have been uh you know steadily rising for the last year um and it like I there was no point where I thought like, oh, it's 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 cheap, but now it's expensive like it. And it's it, like I said, it was like a very small rise. But this this index is so, you know, it's international. Right. So it's it's taking the food prices from all around the world. Um, but yeah, are you surprised to hear that it's on the rise for the first time in a year? Well, I think you said that. um that's the that's probably the case because of the war in Ukraine, which started mm-hmm. in March mm-hmm. of last year. So, yeah, I think um, it's it's was high then, like a year ago in March 2022, because of the war in Europe. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just like I think it's just been high for the past year. Mm-hmm. But that's I think they're reference. Yeah. yeah, I think their reference point was already super high to begin with. Yeah, yeah. The baseline, it was already mm-hmm. you know high because of COVID. And then also, you know, Sydney, you've uh, written about how, you know, the, why there were egg shortages and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, price increases on eggs and other, you know, products. And that's because of things like the avian flu, you know, um, affecting chickens and, and uh, poultry and things like that. Um, Turkey, I think you wrote about that mm-hmm. too. So I think- there are, you know, a plethora of factors. The war in Ukraine, sure, that's one huge uh, factor. We had COVID, we had, and now we have these outbreaks. And I think, you know, all of it's multifactorial, really. So I think um, you can't really pinpoint one particular, yeah, the war is is a big factor, but there have been other factors at play as well. So I'm not surprised at all that, you know, and it's just within the last year, but yeah, we've been seeing food prices uh, steadily increase since the beginning of COVID. So it doesn't come as a surprise to me at all. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's, it's cool that like we have this data and then we can monitor it and hopefully see these prices come down soon. (laughs) But yes. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Regarding, regarding the food price index, right? So this is for International prices of a basket of food commodities. And Sydney, you mentioned the five commodity groups. Like, so the first one is cereal, which I was, I thought like, it's, it's not cereal, but they're trying to say is like all grains. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then they have vegetable oil, dairy, meat, and sugar. And then I was wondering, well, where are the fruits and vegetables? Like, I'm kind of confused. Mm. We're still working with an old food pyramid, I think. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I, I just, pyramid, yeah, yeah, I was thinking, well, I don't know if all food can fit into these five categories. But yeah, interesting to see like how they maybe they were the most affected or I don't know, or, or they or, or sorry, this, these are the categories that are watched or yeah, this Index? that that yes the five mm-hmm. categories that play into the index yeah 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 i mean that's i didn't even that didn't even cross my mind for some reason like 
I, maybe if, like produce is, is too complex of a, yeah. like, I don't want to say that it's, it's the UN. They, they, they should be able to track these things, but maybe it's, it's just too complex of a, of a category. I, I don't or know. Or I think they're just talking about like staples, right? Yeah. Staples. So I think that's what they mentioned here too. So it's like staple food items. I guess ones that don't go well. No, meat and eggs go bad. Quickly. No, I think like, they're just staple, meaning that they're highly consumed and they form like a dominant part of you know diets around the world. So I yeah. think maybe yeah. that's what they or you get a lot here. of yeah you get a lot of calories from these foods. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's it. I mean, it's it's interesting to define like what a what a food what a staple is. is. Yeah, yeah, what a staple, what a staple is. is. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that that's a very good point, Vera. I, I I gotta think that there are other organizations probably that that track uh, produce prices and maybe individual produce prices mm. too. Um, just cause I, you know, a banana is not as expensive as a pomegranate, you know, it's, it's like such a wide range. <laughs> there you go. That, yeah. That yeah, too. Yeah. 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 But very good points. All right. Well, that's the end of this episode of the X talks food podcast. If you like today's show, don't forget to rate review and subscribe. Thanks everyone. And see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the X talks food industry podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalks.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.